Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. My dear niece, I'm writing you this letter in explanation of certain recent actions of mine, about which you're probably curious. As you know, since that day four years ago when your dear uncle died, may he rest in peace, I've been living a busy, if lonely, life. Fortunately, in a city as small as Hilton, one has many friends, but they in no way could make up for the loneliness I felt. As you recall, you're continually urging me to try to get some sort of a position. And so, finally, I took your advice and placed an advertisement in our local paper. It was six weeks ago this next Friday that I inserted the ad. I'm sure you must have chuckled when you read it. Widowed woman, genteel, some secretarial experience, drives own car, desires position of interest with reliable business house. Address Miss Emily Rogers, Box 2B, or phone Hilton 22412. I was somewhat surprised to receive a reply the next morning. I finished my breakfast. Yes, you're right. I still drink a cup of hot water for arising each morning. I finished at all events. But the phone rang. Hello? Uh, Mrs. Emily Rogers, please. This is she speaking. I'm calling about the ad you ran in the evening paper yesterday. Oh, yes. I think I can offer you a position you'd be interested in, Mrs. Rogers. My name is Bruce. How do you do, Mr. Bruce? We have a very small publishing house, Mrs. Rogers, and um, need someone to take care of any of the uh, contacts we might wish to make in your part of the country. Oh, aren't you from Hilton, then? No. No, our offices are in Los Angeles. We pay you fifty dollars a week, providing you could use your home as an office, although there wouldn't be uh, much office work required. As I say, the position primary would be one of establishing uh, contacts. Quite. It sounds fine, Mr... Uh, Bruce. It sounds fine, Mr. Bruce. Good, good. Well, then, uh, consider yourself on the salary beginning immediately, Mrs. Rogers. I'll phone you again as soon as there's something more definite for you to do. And that's how I got the job. I assumed naturally that I would immediately receive instructions from Mr. Bruce as to how I should go about establishing contacts. The first word I had after the telephone conversation was when the postman arrived the next Saturday with an envelope for me containing a check for $50. There was no return address on the envelope, and the check was a personal one bearing no company name. It was signed, R.L. Bruce. Three weeks went by in this fashion. Each Saturday I would receive the $50 check in the mail, but always the envelope was without a return address, and the check was a personal check. All the envelopes were postmarked Los Angeles, but other than that I haven't the smallest clue as to the identity of the company by which I was employed. I've always believed that money is very precious, and as your uncle, may his soul rest in peace, used to say, no self-respecting person would accept it without doing a lick of work for it. I was dissatisfied with the arrangement. I would tell this Mr. Bruce when he phoned that I wished to resign my position with his small publishing house. It was on the Wednesday, after the arrival of the third check, 
that I again received a telephone call from Mr. Bruce. He was charming, as he'd been on the first call. And before I had the chance to tell him if I wished to resign... Well, I have your first assignment for you, Mrs. Rogers. Oh, I, I wanted to talk to you about that, Mr. Bruce. Oh, getting impatient, were you? Well, this will keep you busy for a while. Really? Yes, and Mr. Paul Stevens will arrive in Hilton this afternoon. Now, he's one of our most promising new authors, and I'm going to have to ask a big favor of you, Mrs. Rogers. Well, what, what sort of favor, Mr. Bruce? Well, Mr. Stevens has been, uh, has some rewriting on a novel we plan publishing in a few months, and too many people interrupt him here in last winter, so I wonder... I wonder if you could put him up at your home until he finishes. Why, uh, I don't know. Oh, he'll be no bother, Mrs. Rogers. And of course, all expenses will be covered. He has an awful lot of work to do. Well, I... Yes, I... I suppose I could. Oh, oh, that's fine. That's fine. It's just a place for him to get away. Oh, and one more favor. Yes? Uh, just so we're sure he's not bothered. Please don't tell anyone he's staying with you. <laughs> the job, my dear niece. Well, at last I'd be doing something for my pay, which to me was very important. I waited around the house all day, afraid to leave, even to do my shopping, for fear I'd missed the telephone call from Mr. Stevens. It was quite late in the afternoon, almost five o'clock, when the telephone rang. Hello? Mrs. Rogers? This is Mrs. Rogers. Uh, this is Paul Stevens, Mrs. Rogers. Oh, yes, Mr. Stevens. I've been expecting your call. Where are you? I'll come and pick you up. Oh, that's very kind of you. I'm at the corner of... Oh, just a minute. The corner of Brookside and Sierra Madre. The corner of Brookside and Sierra Madre. Fine. I'll be driving a black Buick convertible. And the right fender's dented. Hmm. A parking station attendant did it. Black Buick convertible. I'll be waiting. Bye. Goodbye, Mr. Stevens. Oh, oh Mr. Stevens. Oh. I remember I hadn't asked Mr. Stevens what he looked like, so that I would be able to recognize him. Oh, but then I thought that Brookside and Sierra Madre is not a busy intersection, and that the chances of there being more than one stranger at the corner were slight. I left the house immediately, and drove through town to where Brookside crosses Sierra Madre. The first nervousness I felt was, when arriving at the corner, I found myself faced with this problem of identification. There were many cars, and a rather large and excited crowd gathered at the corner. Now, now, stand back, everybody, please. Oh, hello there, Mr. Rogers. I'm not... I don't suppose that this poor gentleman could be... Well, now, the ambulance will be here in a few minutes, Mrs. Rogers. I'll call you when we find out who it is, if you like. Would you? I'd be very grateful. I'll call you later. All right, now, please, get in. Right, Mrs. Rogers? Yes? I, uh, I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. I'm Paul Stevens. Mr. Stevens? Oh, I'm so relieved. Hmm? Well, of course, please get in. The accident upset me. I was afraid for a minute it was you. No, no, it wasn't me. Won't you get in? Thank you. Have you had your dinner? Yes, yes, thank you. I'd uh, like to go to your house, if you don't mind. Well, of course, Mr. Stevens. It won't take long. I was really terribly relieved. And I thought what a warrior I was. Because for a few minutes, I really had been sure that Paul Stevens was dead. But 
now everything was fine. I tried making conversation with Mr. Stevens on the drive home, but he seemed tired and not inclined to talk. And so we drove quietly back through town and to my house. We went inside, and I showed Mr. Stevens up to his room, and then went into the living room to tidy up. The telephone rang as I was setting out some ashtrays. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Rogers. This is Officer Barnes. Oh, yes, Officer. I'm glad you called. I wanted to tell you that I, I met that Mr. identification for you. Uh, yes, that's what I wanted to tell you, Officer. Uh, the name was Paul Stevens, all right. We had a handbill on him, is how we knew him. He was wanted for a payroll robbery in L.A. And he wasn't hit by a car. He was thrown from a car. He was murdered. Hello? I couldn't answer. I stood there, frozen, with the telephone receiver in my hand, looking at the door to the hallway, where the man who called himself Paul Stevens stood, smiling tightly, holding a gun in his hand. A gun was pointed right at me. My mouth felt frozen. My throat dry. I stared fascinated down the barrel of the gun pointing at me. Mrs. Rogers. Are you there, Mrs. Rogers? Hello? Hello? Thank him and hang up. Hello, Mrs. Rogers. Are you all right? Uh, yes. Yes. I'm all right, officer. I was... Thank him and hang up. I was... Thank you, officer. He walked away from me then and sat across the room where he could watch me and also see anyone who might come to the front door. The gun rusted in his lap. I stood and stared at him. My mind raced. I tried to think of what to do. I was surprised when he spoke. Sit down, if you like. Who are you? Why did you tell me you were Mr. Stevens? Sit down. Who are you? How dare you pretend to be Mr. Stevens? Uh, I'm stupid. What? I didn't think they'd find out who he was. I didn't know he was hot. You killed? Yes. I killed Paul Stevens. That's all he would say. I tried to find out who he was and why he'd chosen me and why he killed Mr. Stevens and what he was going to do next, but he wouldn't answer me. He wouldn't say anything. He looked over at me occasionally and smiled. It was beginning to get dark and I got up to turn on the lights. What are you doing? It's dark. I thought I... I like it dark. My house doesn't look well in the dark. We'll be going out in a few minutes, Mrs. Rogers. Where are we going? Well, we're going out for dinner, Mrs. Rogers. You're going to be my dinner guest. Why did the cop call you? How did you know he called me? The phone upstairs. I was expecting a call. Why did he call you? I thought you were dead. I I mean, I thought Mr. Stevens was dead. I... Uh, all right, I... all right. Get your face on, Mrs. Rogers. I have a very important engagement. <laughs> We left the house then, got in the car, and drove to a restaurant I'd never been in before. It's on the highway, out past the other side of town, and has quite a bad reputation. The man didn't know where it was, but he knew the name. All the while I was trying to remember who he was. I say remember because there was something familiar about him. 
But what that something was, my dear niece, I couldn't for the life of me think. The attendant took the car when we arrived at the roadhouse and we went inside. We just sat down at the table when a small and very thin, dark-complexioned man slid into the seat next to the man who wasn't Mr. Stevens. What are you doing here? I had to come. It didn't work. They found out who he was. Why didn't you stay hidden? She knows the I'm not Stevens. The cop told him. You'd stay at her house anyway, couldn't you? You have to come out where people can pick you up? Take it easy, Al. Nuts easy. What's the matter with you? Mary figures out a foolproof way for you to get rid of a guy and hide out right under the cop's noses, and then you go and louse up the whole deal. It's not louse up. It will be if you don't get away quick. Maybe, maybe. Oh, uh, I don't think you've met Mrs. Rogers. Mrs. Rogers, this is uh, Mr. Al Newholt, who owns this restaurant. Uh, yes. I am. Look, you better get back to L.A. What good would it do? Have you got any, um, contacts in that part of the country? Suddenly, I knew. I knew who the man was. Because as he talked to Al, I remembered that voice. We, uh, need someone to take care of any, uh, contacts we might wish to make in your part of the country. It was Mr. Bruce. The same Mr. Bruce who'd given me my job and sent me the checks and who called me that morning and told me to expect Mr. Stevens that afternoon and to put up Mr. Stevens at my home for a while. How did they find out? What? You said they found out who he was. How? It was hot. They had pictures and prints on him. I dropped them at the corner just before I met her. You're Mr. Bruce. He did that payroll job, then. What did you say? He's Mr. Bruce. Well, that's very good, Mrs. Rogers. How did you know? I just remembered your voice. It doesn't make any difference. You know too much about this anyway. Doesn't make any difference. You want me to take her with me, Al? I don't want her around here. Somebody might have seen her car drive in. They'd look. I think we'll go back to her house and start fresh. That way it'll be harder checking where she went. Whatever you do, do it now. The crowd starts coming for dinner soon and someone will see you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Shall uh, we leave now, Mrs. Rogers? Where are we going? We're going to your house, Mrs. Rogers. After that, I'm not sure. But, uh, I think I'll have to kill you. We left then. I can't describe my fright. But it all seemed so hopeless that I suppose I was more resigned than frightened. We drove back through town. Mr. Bruce sitting very quietly next to me in the front seat. My car's not new, as you know. And although I often have trouble with it, I never before had the horn stick. But that night, it stuck. Right on the corner of Brookside and Sierra Madre. Stop blowing your horn. I'm sorry, Mr. Bruce. I'm not blowing my horn. It's, it's gotten stuck. Stop the car. Stop the car. Now, stay where you are. Don't try to drive away, see? Yes, I see. I think that's an excellent I, uh, idea. I believe you said you wanted to show me the town this evening, Mrs. Rogers. 
Wouldn't you need the car? Well, uh, I suppose... I was looking forward to the drive. You don't mind? No, of course. Uh, you'll pick the car up, though, in the morning, Mr. Mayor. I had promised Mr. Stevens I'd take him uh, for a ride. Sure, of course. Uh, thanks for your trouble, Mr. Mayor. Oh, glad to help. It is such a little town. We all know each other, like each other, and like to help each other. That's so, Mrs. Rogers? Yes. Well, good night, Mrs. Rogers. Uh, and I'm glad to have met you, Mr. Stevens. The rest of the drive was uneventful. The street lights were on now, and flashes of light from them darted into the car and lighted up the sullen face of the man who sat tensely by my side. I tried to remember all the conversations I'd had with him, to find the reason for his choosing me out of all the people who must have placed advertisements that day as the person with whom he would hide out. For by now, my dear niece, I was convinced that Mr. Bruce had deliberately set out to murder Mr. Stevens for some reason and hide out in my house where the police would be most unlikely to look for him. But why my house? Why had he chosen me? When we got to my house, Mr. Bruce directed me to leave my car on the street, and we went up the dark pathway to the front door. Mr. Bruce a few steps behind me, all the way. That's dark tonight, isn't it? Yes. Why are we going inside? I had to make a phone call. I see. Open the door. Pardon me? Turn off the light. Oh, sorry. Now, pull the blinds down on that window. Yes. All right. Now the light. Yes. Get the telephone. Ask long distance for Crestview 9177 in Los Angeles. I'd like long distance, please. Crestview, 9177 in Los Angeles. Crestview, 
And they were going to save me. Rachel, you just can't imagine. I felt exactly like the heroine in a motion picture. I simply had to prevent Mr. Bruce from leaving the house. Just a few minutes, the officer said. Just time enough for them to get here. All right. Let's get going. I wish I knew where we were going. Do I have to take anything with me? Will we be gone long? Yeah. A long time. Oh, then, then I need several changes of clothes. Let me think. My brown suit. Oh, the grade are better. It's older, Come but... on, come on. You won't need anything. Oh. Huh? The heater. What? I left the heater on in the other room. I'd better turn it off. I wouldn't like anything to catch on fire when we're gone. Fire? You mean those heaters could set the house on fire? Uh, no, no, not really. I, I meant that, well, I, I'd rather not pay a gas bill that's been run up against me because I neglected to turn the heat off. Uh, all right, all right, but make it fast. Well? Wow, what's the trouble? Oh, this thing always sticks. I never can fix it. I remember it did it last fall. I was just starting off to meet my niece, Mary. And... Here, yeah, let me do it. There. Thank you. Now I feel better about it. Sure, there must be something I've forgotten. Now let me think. Come on, come on. Now are you ready? Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> street, peaceful and dark. All the neighbors' lights were out, except for the Gaineses across the way. One night was on upstairs in the back of their house. It threw a diffused pattern diagonally across the pavement. And I thought for a minute that I saw a figure move suddenly toward us. Mr. Bruce motioned to me to go ahead. I walked slowly down the path towards the car. I could feel Mr. Bruce a few steps behind me. Suddenly, it happened. Hold on, Bruce. Get out, Mrs. Rogers. What? Oh, there you are. Oh, no. Mrs. Rogers, are you all right? Yes, I... I'm all right. Thank you. I... I'm all right. explanation I promised you. I felt it your aunt that I should tell you how you happened to be in the penitentiary. When Mr. L in the roadhouse first mentioned your name, I was suspicious. But not until Mr. Bruce made the phone call to you did I begin to piece the story together. You had suggested the advertisement. Your husband answered it and employed me. If only you told me, my dear, that you'd gotten married when you were in Los Angeles. After all, I'm your only living relative. I could have come to your wedding. Then this whole thing wouldn't have happened, would it, dear? Because I would have known Mr. Bruce all the time. Let me know after the trial what your new address is to be, and I'll continue writing. As always, I'm Emily. As always, it's been a great pleasure to me to appear on suspense. 
And I, I want to thank Mr. Spear for his usual splendid help. And Mr. Wally Mayer as Mr. Bruce for his excellent support. And all the other members of the cast who've all been so helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Dame Mayweather. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.